Welcome, welcome in to the 89th episode of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We have a great episode for you, quarterback and running back rankings. Let's go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your dynasty league for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go, episode number 89 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, welcome, welcome in. We got Max and Super Producer holding it down in the land. I'm here in the city of the Philadelphia second rounders. Philadelphia 76ers have been eliminated from the playoffs. We'll get to fantasy in a moment. I kind of want to skip over uh, the Sixers' loss. Max, you'll have your moment to gloat, but my introductory question today for the lads, if the NFL did a lottery system, would you enjoy it? Or do you think tanking, that kind of is a part of the game? I really think it would be electric. I What I want more than that is an expansion team. I want to see players keep some players and then have to put players in the expansion pool. And this 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 team just drag from new players. Like I think that'd be so cool. I think I would be against the NFL lottery. I think it would be fun. It would be electric to watch. But at the end of the day, man, some of these poverty franchises, if they don't get the number one overall pick, they're never gonna. I mean, if you give the Browns, I mean, the Browns had plenty of number one overall picks, and they're still not good. So I guess that's not a good argument. But some of these teams need those number one overall picks, man. I think it's just a good way for the NFL to rig where quarterbacks go. So they would be able to rig, make sure Caleb Williams went to like a really primo, primo spot. You know, I, I think that's the the biggest cause for this. I do think it is a little rigged. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I was watching it tonight and yours truly. Um, and I mean, you look at like the last four teams, it was Houston, Portland, Charlotte and San Antonio. And I just saw a tweet actually just like two seconds ago on Twitter where it's like the NBA knows what it's doing. Like Houston, they're a big city. They have young talent and stuff like that. San Antonio really has no one. If they didn't get this first pick, like not that they'd be irrelevant, but it would almost be like a dying market at that point. So they want to revitalize that. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's rigged. So when we we talk about the lottery system, I think something that's super important to talk about is it's all up to chance. Can you imagine if the ping pong balls fell a certain way and Trevor Lawrence is the Jets quarterback? Wouldn't that just have been a, a nicer reality than having to trade away our future for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I mean, or just don't beat the Rams or don't beat the Browns, and Trevor Lawrence is probably your quarterback as well. So don't Listen, win. Max, Max, I could do a whole 45-minute podcast about the Jets winning those two games and how crazy it was that they won those two games. So... That's saved for another time and another time that we have more time to talk about frivolous, stupid things that are in the past. But right now we're talking about the future. We're talking about quarterbacks and running backs from this 2023 class. We're talking about them at length today at at a pretty, pretty big length. So we're going to be talking about our favorite quarterbacks and running backs. We're going to be ranking them on top of that. We have reports from around the realm and everyone's favorite Max has a trade. I actually have a trade as well to bring on the podcast. Super producers, ears, you need to perk perk those ears up. It's time for you to listen. 
But before we get into the episode today, wanted to thank our presenting sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play season-long best ball. You can do it in just seconds. If you use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, you can get up to a $100 deposit match in bonus cash. Max, I want you to tell me which old and forgotten wide receiver are you targeting late in your best ball drafts? Easiest answer came right to my head. I'm going to Mike Thomas, man. Can't guard Mike. Derek Carr's there. Olave is going to be taking a lot of looks. Who knows what's going to happen with Kamara? I think Mike Thomas, when you look at his stats, when he actually plays, was pretty solid. But I also think Hop and Keenan Allen are some good ones. Keenan Allen's a lot more expensive, but Mike Thomas is dirt cheap and a guy that can have some boom games. There you go, if he gets on the field. But get back to our advertisement from the great people over at Underdog Fantasy. Use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Again, for a free $100 deposit match in bonus cash, MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. It's getting reports. All right, first off the rip, I feel like it's 2021 all over again. The world is uh, in the middle of the pandemic, and I'm seeing this headline for... Uh, the first time, and I remember when this headline came across a couple of years ago, it was like a breath of fresh air. This guy was worth three first-round picks. Antonio Gibson, to get more touches in 2023, says head coach Ron Rivera. Tommies have officially been sold to the uh, Harris, I believe. It's not Blitzer. It's just Harris. The Harris group, I think Magic Johnson's in that group as well. Gentlemen, your thoughts on Antonio Gibson moving forward into this season. He's got Brian Robinson there uh, and then some other backups. Yeah. I mean, the offense isn't that interesting to me. I think the key word here is hopeful. Um, All three of our bullet points here have the word hopeful in it. So talk is cheap. It's only may. Um, I do believe Antonio Gibson's the better running back than Brian Robinson. And yeah, a couple of years ago, this was my guy. I mean, I was trading. It might sound crazy, but it just his pass catching ability used to play wide receiver at Memphis. I was trading like Christian McCaffrey for him. I feel like sometimes to get like downgrade from McCaffrey to Gibson plus um, right now, I feel like you could get Gibson for Nick. C probably won't sell him because he's his fourth running back and needs the depth. But if you could get Gibson for like a mid to late second, I would probably do. It. And I think that's probably around his value a mid second. Yeah, man. Fool's gold yet again. It's the same thing almost every year. They're talking about how they want to get Gibson involved, get more touches. You think you would want to get probably the best running back in your backfield more touches, um, you would think. But I really don't think Gibson can be anything more than a spot start every once in a while. There is some type of hope that enemy maybe can scheme him open in different ways. But even... They even drafted a running back in the sixth round, Chris Rodriguez Jr. So I don't know what it really says. I feel like this is a non-point, but it's sad. For the fun of the people out there, I'm going to go through our Mike Vrabel League. This is the most intense league uh, that all of us are a part of. I'm going to go through some Antonio Gibson trades just to have everyone out there really feel what it was like if you're new to dynasty fantasy football. This is what it felt like to be an Antonio Gibson owner. I remember uh, it involved Jefferson, I believe. It was Antonio Gibson and Justin Jefferson. 
Um, Max traded that to our, our dear friend Kevin for Jarvis Landry and CMC. Yeah. One to ten, how much does that hurt right now? Hindsight 2020 is not the worst trade I made with Justin Jefferson, actually, if you go back and look. Um, but I don't know. I got a championship. I have a banner. You don't. So I think Ooh, big and deep, Max. Uh, this is another good one. Uh, we saw me trade for Antonio Gibson. I got Landry Gibson, a second and a third for AJ Brown and a second. Yeah. That sounds really great. That's that's the thing though, man. Like I was Ooh. talking to uh my old coach, his name's Tony, just about sleeper and how great it is. It really is an amazing app. Tonight we just discovered you could go back and see league trades from different calendar years. Um, fun fact for the audience out there, I made 104 trades from January 1st of 2022 to December 31st of 2022. So pretty electric. That is extremely electric. Extremely electric for Max. That, that's my my favorite thing about him. He always finds a way to trade. And that's the beauty of Dynasty. These values change so quick. You have to capitalize on the Ooh. windows. And we'll do an episode coming up here on just some guys just to get in on the windows at the right time. Let's keep moving forward. Joe Douglas is hopeful that Brees Hall will return week one. He said it's a possibility. When a GM talks like this and they don't give you the hyperboles and the, you know, he's looking really good back on track, it's most likely not going to happen for Brees Hall week one now. Now that I see that, I wanted to get your thoughts on his dynasty outlook and when is the perfect time to buy. It's tough, man. I mean, if the perfect time to buy is probably before Rodgers went there. Um, you're, if you're buying Brees Hall, you're going to be paying two and a half, three first. And it's just, it's not something I'd want to invest in. I don't really like to invest in the running back position. But if you can lock down like a Brees Hall to pair alongside with like your Tony Pollard and Joe Mixon or something like that, 100%. Yeah, it was definitely this offseason, uh, the time to buy. I don't think I would be buying right now but I really don't think this has too much impact on his long-term outlook. I feel like it has more of an impact for a guy that we'll talk about later on in this episode. It's definitely going to be an impact for him. If anybody has Bam Knight, Michael Carter shares plummeting, absolutely plummeting. Uh, so take with that what you will, grain of salt moment for a guy who's probably still, even after the ACL tear, a top four dynasty RB. All right, let's keep moving forward. Sean Payton, hopeful, another quote-unquote hopeful, that Javonta Williams will be ready for training camp. Uh, we just had a big deal go down in one of our leagues for Javonta Williams. Your guys' thought on the one-time Dynasty RB1 and also the one-time Dynasty Monarchy jersey giveaway. It is true. He was a jersey giveaway. We're doing another one coming up here soon, so stay tuned. Give us a follow on the Twitter there. I don't believe this really at all. I've seen a lot on Twitter about recovery timelines for the injury that he had around 13 months. He got injured in October uh, because he tore his ACL and also I believe his LCL. So I've seen timelines around 13 months. He's ready for camp and ready for week one. That's like a 11 month recovery time. Obviously anything's possible. He's very young. Maybe he's got some fast metabolism. His bones are super speedy. But I'm going to go with that he's not ready for week one. I really do think he starts the year on the pup. And I think that's just a reason the Smaj AP Ryan's a great buy for like a, a late third, mid third rounder. 
Yeah, P. Ryan. He's probably one of the better, like, zero RB kind of guys, like him, Jamal Williams, spacing on a couple other guys. But this is a P. Ryan news point as opposed to a Javante Williams one, I feel like. Um, I've never really liked Javante Williams, but hopefully he can come back and be healthy. But if he's healthy, he probably still won't get 85% of the touches there, so. It's going to be very interesting because we've seen Sean Payton use a guy like Kamara, but then again, does Javonta Williams have Kamara's skill? I'll never forget that. Uh, I think it was a, a Sunday night game or a Monday night game uh, where we saw Javonta Williams just go off and it was like the he has arrived moment. What an absolute stinger of a game for him, man. That was that was such an awesome moment. Uh I don't know what his fantasy value is right now. And I'm not going to be one of the people that come on dynasty podcasts and even redraft podcasts and hammer the table for a guy they have no idea about just to get clicks or just to make you feel better about yourself. I think Trevonta Williams is the kind of asset where you take him where he is right now and you live or die on that decision. And you have to be fine living or dying on that decision. My good friend, uh, and in the Mike Rabel League, uh, Matt Driscoll just traded for him, gave away a little bit of a, of a bigger package, but he is very, very, very confident in Javonta Williams. And if you live and die on that sword, that's more than fine by me. I think I would be investing in him for a reasonable price. If I got fair value on him right now, I would definitely invest. Uh, but if I had to pay a little bit extra to go get a guy like that, I would I would not. I'd be steering clear. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're, the window is definitely now to buy if you do believe, like Peter said. Obviously, you don't want to buy, and like if he comes off the pup week five, oh, hey, what's Javante worth week four? No one's going to sell him then. They've been holding him for over 13 months, you know. They're not going to want to, oh, yeah, I'll give you him right now when he's about to come back. So he's super young, just turned 23 in April. I mean, crazy young. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our reports from around the realm section. Mr. Max, it appears that you have a trade. I do. I didn't have one last week. The listeners I know were upset. They were crying. I was crying. Didn't get one done on the episode. I really do think this one gets done. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. I'm going to give you 110 this year and Deontay Johnson for DJ Moore and a second rounder. Probably won't do that, which is crazy. I want super producer, impartial uh, third-party viewer here. I want you to tell us why you think one way or another on the steal. They're both 26, too. That's the thing. It's not like DJ Morris is young. Like, they're both 26. They both play with, like, pretty average quarterbacks. Um, I don't know, man. I'm actually kind of surprised there. I think I lean DJ Moore side. Like, if I had DJ Moore, I don't think I would do the trade, only because I feel like the 110 pick, I just – Dog. It's terrible. I, I'm just looking at some of the players. This isn't last year's 110, sadly. Last year's 110 actually had value. It only pays value if you like if you hit the pick. It's tough. Next I season, liked the, the guys around that range last year. That was like Trey McBride. That was Christian Watson. Those were guys I was really like hawked on. This year, it's it's a bunch of uh, like wading through average. No upside towards. There's no upside after like the sixth pick in this draft. Is it the second that puts it over the top? Would you do it just for DJ Moore? <sighs> no. I think that's what, – what if it was Terry in 110? I'm trying to win, Max. 
Terry put up better numbers than DJ Moore's ever put up in his career. I don't know. I think the narrative's there for DJ Moore, though. The narrative, Justin Fields, switching teams. Uh, you like the narrative. Through, like someone that goes like with A.J. Brown and Jalen. Yeah. They yeah, yeah. can't throw. They get receivers. Diggs. Diggs. That's crazy, man. How about this? Deontay Johnson and Terry. I know. That's 110. Terry's worth 110. Not worth much more. I'm just giving you equal value, Max. You're giving me equal value? Yeah, equal value to what uh to what the deal was on the table. No, because Terry Terry's one of my buys this year, man. He really is. 147. He's targets. old. He's like 40. They're not not Terry. Deontay Johnson. He 147 targets, 86 catches. So why are you selling him? The only thing he didn't have was touchdowns. If he has touchdowns, he honestly puts up a top 20 season. He already put up at receiver 30. Like if he had four touchdowns even. I'm fine with it, Pete. I'll keep 110 and Deonta. All right. Next trade up. I I brought a trade here today. Super producer, he's giddy. I can see him laughing right now. I have a trade for the super producer. He's doing the one eyebrow raise right now, too, for anybody listening at home. I can predict his answer, man. He's going to say, you know, he's gonna, I don't know, man. He's going to say, probably not. That's what he's going <laughs> to Go on. Super producer. I'm I'm coming with peace and love, as Ringo Starr says. Peace and love. I'm, I'm coming with peace and love. I want Amari Cooper, and I want Keenan Allen. I want the both of them, and I'm willing to give you Cooper Cup. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. Now. It's similar to a trade we now, talked about. Now, but... now, I'm not done. I'm willing to counter. I'm willing to, to give you a different offer here. On top of that deal, I'd be willing to give you Kev Kukla's 2025 first if you give me a little sprinkle on the back end. Now he's intrigued. Yeah, I am intrigued by that one. I can't Ooh. lie. What's a sprinkle look like, Pete? I think like a sprinkle would be, by the way, <laughs> Antonio Brown is on your roster. What are you doing, bro? I'm having fun. <laughs> that's the answer man that's the answer it's just people that mm, i love it nixie i don't know i don't mind uh brandon cooks as like a sprinkle but then like i think to myself like brandon cooks for first i don't know i need a little bit more than brandon cooks you're losing me super producer what did you think i was gonna give you a first round pick for a third <laughs> yeah bro basically Come on. Give me a counter. Respect the counter. Hashtag respect the counter. So for everyone out there, my team lacks depth. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to trade Cooper Cup for a little bit of depth at this moment. I'll have to postpone till the end of the episode. All right. We'll postpone to the end of the episode. I hate to do it. A counter will be put at the end of the episode. I'm excited. You must counter, Super Producer. If you're going to postpone it, you must counter. Let's keep going. Let's move into our rookie running back rankings. All right. Welcome to our running back tier rankings. For the first two, I feel like we really don't need to mention them much. Everyone out there knows these two guys. We have Bijan Robinson out of Texas now at the Atlanta Falcons and Jameer Gibbs, both the first round running backs. 
But outside of these two, again, we've talked about Bijan and Jameer uh, for the past couple of weeks. Every Dynasty show has talked about them. We're going to be a little bit different today and try to talk about these deeper guys first. Nick C., I know you're a huge Kendra Miller guy. He comes in as our consensus RB3. He's at four for me, three for you, and then three for Max. Give us a little bit of insight on Kendra. Yeah, I feel like we even talked about him a bit on our rookie mock draft episode because I did take him in that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just really like Kendra. He's 5'11", 215. He had 6.2 yards per carry last season in college. Uh, as well as amassing 1,399 yards, 17 touchdowns. There is pass-catching questions. He really only had like 30 receptions over three years. But I think he could get good opportunity with Camara's suspension kind of looming over there. And all he has to do is beat out Jamal Williams, which could be a harder task than than many think. But I think there's a good opportunity here where he could end up taking over the backfield and then uh, whenever Camara comes back. So that super producer, I look at Kendra Miller, right? I see, okay, I'm going to buy him. But then again, this is a dynasty podcast. So we we take a look at him and say, okay, I'll buy him for, let's say, late first round pick after 106, right? Are you in the mood to flip him, let's say, if he does beat out the other running back that's there? Are you willing to flip him as a rookie? Do you think that he's special enough to be a top, you know, and if you're drafting a guy in the first round, a top 12 running back in this league? I mean, he could be just the way the running back landscape looks right now. Do you think he will have a career longevity where he will finish as an RB1 multiple times? Yeah, I would probably flip him, honestly, if the window is right and he just goes nuts for like three or four games. Because people will just be like, oh, he's a young rookie running back. They'd probably give you two first for him. So I would probably do that. Yeah, if you can get a guy that's established, I mean, obviously take that. If you can get a young established guy for a young guy like that. The thing is, he's only 20 years old right now, turns 21 in June, which is, I mean, that's crazy value and crazy age. But at any time, if you could take an unknown asset and turn it into a proven asset, you'd want to do that. Yeah, for Kendra, I think it's going to be very telling. And this is a guy you got to keep your eye on as training camp uh, keeps moving forward. Uh, next up at our number four spot was Devon, uh, Devon or Devon A Chain. Uh, Texas AM to the Miami Dolphins ran the fastest 40 time. Uh, we've learned our lesson here. Last year, I was big on Isaiah Pacheco, kind of got shunned. I'm telling you guys, the running backs that are fast, if they get into a decent situation and they get a chance to shine, they will shine. Uh, so Devin, Devin A. Chain, 5'8", 188, 4'3", so fast. Uh, he's my RB3. Max, uh, his RB5, and Super Producer's RB4. I'm the highest on him, so I'll begin. Miami, there's no established running back there. It's a lot of dinky-dunk screen passes, X, Y, Z. I think Mike McDaniels is going to see him as a chance to be a burst guy and an absolute speed demon on this on this offense. Um, A-Chain, while I don't think he has top 12 upside consistently, week in and week out, top 12 upside, he will have top six upside every game. It, does that make sense to everyone out there? I don't think he's going to finish as a top 12 running back. 
week in and week out. Every week you're going to see a top 12 running back. But he's going to have games where he goes off for 130 yards and two touchdowns because he just pops. He's just going to absolutely pop. I think he will have his burst games, and uh, that will make him probably a top 24 running back this season. I'd probably lean more towards 18. Right now, it's it's tough because, yes, he is very fast. But the amount of rumors that I have heard of Dalvin Cook getting cut post-June 1 and him being linked to Miami, it just scares me. Like, that's the thing. I was talking about it with somebody. Like, if Dalvin Cook goes somewhere or Zeke goes somewhere, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, these guys are going to go and they're going to kill a backfield. It's going to be like, oh, like right now, Isaiah Pacheco is the only guy in Kansas City. Oh, well, when Ezekiel Elliott goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, then what happens? You know, it's like these guys are just going to kill a backfield. Um, so I'd just be weary of that. Sure, if Dalvin Cook doesn't go there, if no one goes there, they still do have Raheem Mostert um, and Jeff Wilson, who are both capable running backs. I feel like they like to run the three-work first running back system there. Um, it's just kind of what San Francisco did. It's what Mike McDaniels integrated. So, yes, I can see him breaking some long ones, Pete, and putting up a top-six performance. But just to put him at your running back this high for me, I don't want to take the risk. I'd maybe touch him in the second. I think he's really exciting. He has huge receiving upside, so I like him a ton more in PPR leagues. He had 36 catches this past year at Texas A&M, and he's also lined up in the slot for them. So I think if Miami can find him in the slot a little bit, get him out of the backfield, like you said, Pete, there's really no established guy there. Jeff Wilson has an out in his contract after this season, and Raheem Mostert really can't ever stay healthy. So – you could see a scenario where A-Chain is the sole guy in the backfield if if those two dudes go down. They really aren't the picture of health. And he's also, I've been seeing some stuff that he's been putting on weight as well. He might be mid-190s now, and I think he weighed in at like 188. I think he could be fun in Miami, especially with all the speed they have there. Yeah, I think he's definitely an interesting an interesting guy moving forward. But let's keep moving. Number five on our consensus list, Roshan Johnson, Texas, Chicago Bears. Mr. Max, you're very high on him. Super producer, you're low. Both of you, give me your arguments. Just feel like if this guy was a running back literally anywhere else in college football, he would have been a higher draft pick. Um, it stinks that he had to sit behind Bijan. I was looking at his stats here from college, like in his whole career. I mean, he only has 392 carries. Um, yes, he could come out as a senior, which stinks because he's 22 years old. But for me, it's just the size, one, the landing spot, two, and then the skill, honestly, three. Um, it sucks that you had to sit behind Bijan, but this guy is a very, very talented running back, and it says a lot that the Bears are willing to invest in the fourth round. And it's like they have Donta Foreman and Khalil Herbert. Neither of those are world beaters, but in college, average 5.6 yards a carry. Um and 23 touchdowns in 47 games. It's not the best, but he also didn't get that much work, and Bijan was stealing a lot of that. So I like the landing spot, I like the size, and I like the lack there of carries that he had in college because he's got some fresh wheels still. I think we could see a, a similar like Michael Carter, Javonta Williams type thing here, but we could hope that Roshan kind of lasts a little bit longer than Michael Carter because when he was on the field that, that rookie year, he popped. He popped for the Jets, Michael Carter. He finished uh, at 29 as a rookie. 
Uh, and that was in 14 games. So if he played, let's say he played the full season, reasonably sure that he could have finished top 24 as a rookie. We can just hope that Roshan kind of keeps it on the field, uh, especially for the Bears who who just need offensive weapons. Super producer, your counter argument. Yeah, it's not really a counter argument. I really do love Roshan Johnson. I think this was another guy that we talked about on our uh, mock draft rookie show. And I think that he's great. I mean, he led all running backs in elusive rating, uh, PFF elusive rating in the class, higher than Bijan. And it's shown some ability to catch passes. Didn't really catch a ton of passes, but showed that he could do it. And then Max brought up Deonta Foreman, Khalil Herbert, everyone. There are the Khalil Herbert truthers out there. And don't get me wrong, he was a great running back for fantasy and in real life this past year, but this new regime there, they don't have ties to him. They didn't draft him. And every move that they've done this offseason has really showed that they're not 100% committed with Khalil Herbert as the the workhorse back in this field. And there's also been quotes from, I forget if it was the head coach or the GM, talking that they're basically going to go for a true running back by committee, just try to ride the hot hand. That's all good and well, but if Roshan really starts to separate himself, I mean, Deonta Foreman was good last year, but he really hasn't been super healthy for his whole career. I, I really could see Roshan taking over the backfield, and that's kind of what you want to see in, in a late, mid, second-round pick just for an opportunity like that. I might be crazy, but I really take him, I mean, late first round, early second. I really would. I mean, when you look at those guys. What's there, your ceiling, Max? For Roshan? Yes. I mean, he's on an offense. My my ceiling's a, I mean, top 15 running back. I don't know if I can give him top 12, but, like, he's on an offense that the eyes are going to be on Justin Fields, and sure, he might steal some rushing, but there's not many wide receiver weapons there. I'm going to be willing to take that upside at 110, 112 there. Yeah, let's keep moving forward. Good night, sweet prince, Zach Charbonnet. Very sad to see him go to Seattle. Give me your outlook now that he's going to be splitting carries. Yeah, I mean, I was really never a huge Zach Charbonnet fan. He was a great prospect, don't get me wrong. And I do have him above Roshan Johnson, but begrudgingly. Like, I really, in my heart of hearts, wanted to put Roshan above him just for the pure opportunity standpoint, but it's one of those things where it's like talent or opportunity. So it's like, I don't know. I really don't see a path where Charbonnet can get a ton of meaningful touches there with Kenneth Walker, but he is a good receiving back and he is a big guy as well. I mean, I, the second round draft capital is really what still has him at number five for me because I mean, that shows you that they're going to give him the ball. I mean, they're not going to just spend a second-round pick on him and just let him rot on the bench. And with Roshan, he's a fourth-round pick, and they really don't have to feel obligated to give him the touches. But that's kind of my only only thing with that. And, dude, like he had seven yards per carry this past season in college, which is pretty crazy, man. And, that's and he's, shown, he's shown that he can catch the ball like – he had 37 catches last year as well. And he's six foot two fifteen. I mean, the dude's a way better prospect than Roshan. And 
it sucks, but that's the only reasons why I have to have him at number five for me. But I'm not excited. Yeah. Landing spot is semi-important for running backs. I think it, it's not as important as it is for wide receivers. Um, but I, I do think that if you have a competent offensive line, which the Seahawks don't really have, they, they have a competent line. They don't have a great line. If you have a competent line, you can be good. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him to finish as a top 24 runner this upcoming season, though. Max. Just real quick, I also think, like, yes, there's Kenneth Walker there. Um, you got to remember their wide receiver weapons too, man. I mean, J- JSN, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. There's a lot of touches to go around in this offense. Um, a lot of people are going to need their feet, and I just don't know if Charbonnet is going to be that guy. So, I don't know. If you if you want him, you're going to have to use a late first, early second on him. And at that point, I feel like he's just the best handcuff in football almost, where it's like if Kenneth Walker was to go down, then, yeah, this guy's electric. But Yeah, vice versa as well for Kenneth Walker owners. Sure. Absolutely, man. All right. So the back half, uh, so from 7 to 12, we're going to breeze through these guys. Quick talking points before we get to the quarterbacks. So Tank Bigsby, Auburn, comes in at number 7. He's now on Jacksonville. Literally the same exact scenario as Charbonnet. A little bit of a worse prospect, but ETN is the guy he's he's chasing there, super producer. Any comment on Tank? I like Tank. He actually can catch the ball out of the backfield. He showed that he could do it at Auburn. And the SEC had 15.3% target share, which is pretty elite for running backs. I don't know. It, it's just one of those ones where I do struggle to see where he's going to find a role in this offense. I think he could come in and maybe spell ETN. For a drive the, or two. Uh, yeah, on something like that, or maybe even – vulture some of the third down work because they really didn't feature etn in the passing game too much last year but other than that i mean at worst he's he's just an elite handcuff to me that's kind of all i see all right mr max let's talk about zach evans here out of Ole miss he's on the los angeles rams the only reason that he's not so much lower than he is is the chance to take over for cam Akers. We're really not going to talk about the prospect, Zach Evans, too much here. Let's talk about the situation in Los Angeles and his potential to to take over for Cam Akers. That's the best part about it, and that's why he is so high on our list, is that Cam Akers was in the doghouse before. Sean McVay is not that invested in Cam Akers. Cam Akers has had his games. He really did well at the end of last season, but this is a team that's they're trying to find a new identity. They're trying to turn a new leaf. I mean, even when they had Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, they were running both back, so... I just like the landing spot a lot. We'll have to see what Sean McVay thinks, though. Uh, next up, Ty J. Spears. I can talk to this one. Tulane, Tennessee Titans, the complete and exact opposite of Derrick Henry. 5'10", 201, 440. He showed out at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely showed out. He probably wouldn't have been a guy that got drafted past the fourth round this year if it wasn't for his Senior Bowl performance. I think he got drafted before that. Uh, Ty J Spears, I think he's the cuff there in Tennessee now. If you're a Derrick Henry owner and he sneaks into the third round, I think you have to grab him. Any comment from you guys? I just don't see him getting into the third round, honestly. I mean, maybe late second, but yeah, you do have to grab him. I think he's a better prospect than Hassan Haskins was last year. It just sucks. The guy doesn't have an ACL on one of his knees, so that's kind of tough to get behind. He's also smaller. If you're cuffing Derrick Henry, 
just don't expect to be the same Derrick Henry. There's really only one of it. So just temper your expectations. If you get him for a late round pick, then great. But he's one of those guys where if like Henry goes down, I'm selling him right away. I'm not waiting to see how he plays. I don't think I'll be drafting him anywhere. I think his ADP really is like mid-second, like 205. So I really don't think you're going to get him with a late-round pick. I don't see where he's going to play in this backfield. Maybe he gets a little Deion Lewis role, like third down sometimes. But Henry is it. Henry's the whole offense there. So Tajay is great. But I, I think a fun – thing of tape to watch because he probably won't be doing it in the NFL much. Maybe that'll come back to bite me, but just watch his tape versus USC as highlights because I mean, he torched USC. It was actually crazy, but I don't know. 6.9 yards per carry. He's great, but he won't see the field sadly. All right. Israel Avanaconda uh, is now a New York jet. Former Pitt Panther is going to be probably anywhere between the two and the three running back in that system. Now, I think uh, one of either Michael Carter or Bam Knight definitely either gets the boot before camp or they're just going to have like a, an extra running back on the, uh, on the depth chart. It's going to be interesting. He was a very late round pick. So not a lot of, uh, not a lot of draft capital invested in him, but he's a 4 4 40 guy, 4 4 140, 216 at 5 foot 10. Super producer, I know you know a little bit about this guy. If you could give us some insight. Dude, I love the Bandicanda. He was a monster at Pitt. He had a 46.5% dominator rating, he had a 97th percentile burst score. I, the downside, man. It's Brees Hall. I mean, I, we're going down this list, and it's so sad to see. It's almost everybody we're talking about. They're all handcuffed running backs. It's like, good luck if he even finds the field. I mean, he might find the field week one, week two. Brees Hall is not healthy, but just a terrible landing spot. It sucks to see, but, I mean, he probably won't be relevant unless he goes to another team at some point in his career. I don't think there's a lot to add here. Brees Hall's the guy, obviously. They have Aaron Rodgers. You have Garrett Wilson. You know the Jets' offense. Abanakanda, yes, he did very well at Pitt, but I just don't think that there's enough room for the chefs in the kitchen to say, I guess. All right, let's keep moving forward. Sean Tucker, this was your guy, super producer. Uh, And it's a shame he had a heart condition come out right before the draft. A lot of people think he would have been uh, a bigger success at the draft. He got signed, I believe. I don't think he got drafted. He got signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 5'9", 207, 4440 guy out of Syracuse. Give us the lowdown, and can he beat whoever is going to win that backfield in Tampa? It's so crazy that Sean Tucker goes undrafted. The heart condition uh, news kind of came out pre-draft, which obviously sunk his, his whole draft capital. I mean, hopefully the dude's healthy. He tested like an absolute freak at his pro day. He really didn't test at the combine. I think he was injured. But, I mean, I think he ran 4.39 at his uh, pro day, had 28 reps on the bench press. I mean, dude, he was the whole Syracuse offense. I think another important point is, so he went undrafted, right, but he signed with Tampa Bay, and I think he got uh, guarantees in his contract to be equivalent to a six-round pick, like as as what the six-round picks get paid. That's 
kind of how his contract worked out there. So I think there really were teams that were interested in him, but the heart condition stuff came out and they just weren't willing to give him any draft capital, which I guess I see Rashad White's there. It's going to be tough for him to kind of break through, but I could see him maybe vulturing some touches, but I, I feel like it might be a hard beat to, to kind of beat out Rashad White uh, unless there's an injury. All right, and we'll talk about the last guy right here, Chase Brown, Illinois. The big reason why we're talking about him is the uncertainty in Cincinnati. 5'10", 209, 4'4", He's all of our consensus last guy here, but just with so much in the air in Cincinnati with Joe Mixon and his contract situation, Max, what do you think about what's going on in Cincinnati? Honestly, I like Travion Williams. Uh, he's probably on your waivers. I have seen multiple reports now from Zach Taylor just saying they're very hopeful. It's the same stuff as everyone all the, says about their running backs, but he's going in like his third or fourth year. He's 25, so it's not like he's like this young vet, this young stud. But if Mixon leaves, I do think they sign a vet. They're not going to roll out the roster with Williams, but I like it. This last guy here, um, sure, I think that Chase Brown can be good. He's a little small. I just don't think that he's going to get the – the bulk of the carry. All right, let's move on to our quarterback rankings. All right, quick quarterback rankings. We have the big three, uh, a very contentious big three among the fantasy football community, and then Will Levis and Hendon Hooker rounding out the the bottom half where those guys are dart throws. All right, let's start first. Anthony Richardson out of Florida is our consensus number one. He's my number two. Max and super producer, he is both your number ones. I just don't think he can pass at all. At all. I've, well, I've watched him play in college so many times. I just do not think he can pass. All 13 times you watched him? I did. I watched him a lot. Every hey. Saturday at my house was watching either SEC or Big Ten football. I watched him a lot. I watched him that first game. I watched all of his pro D stuff. I watched multiple games throughout the year. He just cannot pass against SEC defenses. Just can't pass. That's life. I understand. We all can't do things, but he just can't pass. So I think on the promise of him getting good at passing, I can understand why he would go number one. I'd still take him number two because that rushing upside is crazy. But Max, why do you think that he can pass? Why do I think that he can pass? I don't think he's that polished of a passer, Peter. I really don't. I mean, he's only played in 13 collegiate NFL college football games. What I do think is that he has the weapons around him with Pittman, Pierce, Jelani Woods, Josh Downs, Jonathan Taylor, an excellent offensive line, and then an insane head coach that just helped Jalen Hurts develop and take that step to the next level as well. And Shane Steichen. So given all of that, the weapons around him, the draft capital at number four, and then you add that he's six foot four, 244 pounds, the same size as Josh Allen, has a cannon for an arm, is just a physical freak athlete. And the draft capital, he is easily, easily my number one quarterback by a pretty wide margin. And there's doubts in my, if I had 101 in Superflex, I would probably take this guy. I genuinely believe I would. He is going to be a stud a monster and a game wrecker. I can't say enough about him. Yeah, I just have him at number one purely for the rushing upside. I mean, I feel like that's why a lot of people have him there. I don't know that I could make the argument that he's a great passer. The arm strength is there. I mean, he can just chuck bombs 
but I guess it just comes down to whether or not he can reel it in and become an accurate passer. Maybe not accurate, but at least passable or like mid-tier. Um, I saw an article from Brian Rossler from Sports Info Solutions. Really good article. It's called Anthony Richardson's Accuracy, A Closer Look. I would go take a look at it. It's a really good read. But in that, the Gators wide receivers ranked 52nd and 58th among Power five schools in on target catch rate and drop rate, respectively. So they were pretty bad at catching the ball, anyways, the, his wide receiver. So he really didn't get too much help. But I think an indictment on Richardson's passing, which is really bad. He ranked 95th in catchable rate for his passes at 79%. And then he was 106th in on target rate at 65% among 114 quarterbacks. So he was near almost last. I can see the argument for Young at one, just from the more polished passer standpoint, but his upside's undeniable, I feel like. Yeah, I'm a young guy at one just because of his his passing. And I understand five foot ten is very scary. He's probably even smaller than Kyler. I get it. But he's a very cerebral player. I, I've heard so many interviews from so many different coaches and different scouts. I have the one I had, sorry. I had the 102 uh, in this past draft class in a super flex league. And I was prepared to take Bryce Young at 102, knowing that Bijan was gone at 101 with my pick of the litter quarterback. I was absolutely fine with that because I realized Bryce Young is such an efficient passer of the football. And I think that's what's going to create longevity in his career. While his size is a little bit small. That's something that's a risk I'd be willing to take. I'd rather a guy be able to pass and be smaller than be big and not be able to pass. And that's just just who I am. I mean, I guess we're moving on to number two here, right? I would say with Bryce. Yep. I mean, I just don't like the height. I like the landing spot. Obviously, they trade a lot up to get go get Bryce. Um, but I just don't think that the height is for me. I get he's a well-polished passer. If I'm playing in six-point passing touchdown, maybe – his weapons are very mediocre. They're very underdeveloped. Adam Thielen, Shark, Mingo. I don't know. I'd rather take the rushing upside with um, Anthony Richardson. That's just me personally, though. Yeah, I, I do really like Young. I, I think there's a lot to be said that he was able to hold up, even at the size that he is in the SEC, playing there. I mean, he had a big offensive lineman. He had no issue. His first season as a starter had third highest PFF passing grade in the nation. And his second season as a starter had the highest PFF passing grade in the nation. He can get it done. I think the size has to be a legitimate concern just because the NFL is a different breed. But also for me, they have a middling O-line and the lack of weapons around him too should be a concern for year one at least. I mean, we'll see what it looks like uh, for the later on in his career if they can get weapons around them. All right. One last quarterback we're going to talk about here is CJ Stroud. The Houston Texans got their guy traded away next year's pick. They are confident in CJ Stroud, despite his low scoring on the, I think it was S2, S2 test. Uh, he's sitting at 6'3", 214. I want your reasonable expectations for his rookie season in Houston. I don't know. I wish they got him a receiver. I think reasonably to expect in that division that's pretty trash honestly other than jacksonville jacksonville is decent but like indy tennessee and then houston it's a very winnable division these games are going to be like low scoring ish i think he finishes as a quarterback 
18 to 24 in his rookie year. I think they get him a receiver second year. Yeah, I was going to say like 25, really. No wide receiver weapons for him at all. No tight end weapons. I don't know, man. Stroud is one where I've seen plenty of OSU games and he never like he would wow me in some throws where it's like, dang, he's really one of those guys that can make the craziest throw you've ever seen. But then the next time he'll miss the gimme throw that's wide open, which I can never really understand as well as he lacks like all the rushing upside. He never ran in college and didn't show the determination. So I feel like that's going to cap him for sure, but we'll see. All right. That's going to bring us to the end of our episodes. Super producer is going to put the counter on Twitter and all of you are going to vote for a side. Uh, After the counter is on Twitter, maybe the trade will get done. We'll let you all know. Wanted to thank everyone for making it to the end. Follow us on Twitter at dynasty monarchy over there on Twitter. Again, do great stuff over there. Wanted to thank you all for listening. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens.